Welcome to Apple Arcade Plus, the show where you get to hear from the people behind Apple Arcade games. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. We were super interested in being quite ruthless. We took a, a fair bit of inspiration from things like Game of Thrones. We like the idea that it's kind of shocking for a character that seems like they're going to be part of the story for a while to just instantly be taken away. It's a little bit like in real life when someone dies. It's it's kind of weird when they're gone. That was definitely something that we were interested in including, was a lot of death. Welcome back to another episode of Apple Arcade Plus. My guest today is Ben, the creative director from Wild Boy Studios. They are the creators of Atone, Heart of the Elder Tree. This is a story-driven puzzle game with an amazing soundtrack that got me right away with its super compelling story. We keep story spoilers to a minimum with some moments from the very beginning of the game spoiled, nothing terribly far into the game, so if you're concerned about spoilers, just play the beginning and you should be fine. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to launch iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Every review is of huge help making the show more discoverable in search and helping others find this show. You can send your feedback to me at applearcadepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at applearcadeplus. With that, here's my interview with Ben, all about Atone, Heart of the Elder Tree. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you. Uh, can you first introduce yourself, kind of your role at the company making Atone and the basic kind of premise of the game? So my name is Ben Costello, and I'm the creative director of Wild West Studios. Together with my two mates, Patrick Coletto and Sid Bardia, we kind of collectively founded this company called Wild West Studios. We were kind of just three friends that just met all of a sudden. We just decided to start making a game, and that game was Atone. And Atone is... Norse-inspired game where you play as this young girl called Estra as she ventures to find out the truth behind her father's death. Gameplay-wise, it's very story-focused. Put a lot of time into like branching storylines where you need to make tricky choices, which will define how your story ends. There are also puzzles and rhythm battle sequences which you'll encounter along the way. Okay. Yeah, and I was going to ask about the different decisions you make. So in some cases, you're actually deciding, should I kill this person? Which is a pretty major decision. But there's also yeah. dialogue trees. Yep. I'd imagine one of those has bigger ramifications, or do, do the dialogue trees also have a, an a indication as to where the story will go? The dialogue trees, like, they're not as... Like, they kind of will just change the way a character responds to you. Whereas the black and white choices, where it's like displayed in this black and white cinematic view, they're super vital to the direction of the story and they'll change what happens along the way. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'd imagine having some characters alive could mean that character could potentially bring harm to another character. Like one of the first things you encounter in the story is this character killed somebody and I imagine if you leave that character alive, that character might kill another person mm. or something else might happen if you leave that person alive. I don't know if they could turn good. I don't know. It's uh, unknown, really. Yeah, yeah. One thing we wanted was we wanted players to kind of be unsure about whether it's right to kill someone or not, because usually in games where you have choices, killing someone is wrong, you know? Yeah. And your character itself may start to turn more evil if they kill a lot of people over and over. <laughs> exactly. I guess with like, because we were going the Viking route, Viking culture is quite harsh. 
And we were really interested in the idea that sometimes actually killing someone, sometimes taking the ruthless path is the the right choice. It's just going to be difficult to figure out which people you should kill and which people you shouldn't kill. Yeah. And I was, I definitely had a pause at the first decision. It's like, what do I do here? Yeah. I end up killing the person because it looked like to me, oh, really? <laughs> they, you know, they were infected with that blue stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, they might be just right. lost at this point and... I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool, like, hearing what different players have done and stuff. It's good to know that everyone doesn't make the same choice. Yeah, and be fascinating to play it uh, again with different decisions being made uh, going the different direction, seeing just how the, the paths branch from there. Yeah. Have you and your friends always been kind of fascinated with this mythology i think for a very long time personally i've always loved norse mythology ever since i was really little and i think the same goes for the other two for pat and sid that's kind of why we decided to make a game based on it i think we're all happy we did you know we actually learned a lot about norse mythology which is cool so it was good to learn stuff about it yeah i played the playstation 4 god of war last year i think it was and uh i don't know do any of the characters from that game did they make more of an impact in that game where they may have been influenced to bring into a tone in any way or any influence from other mediums not from god of war specifically we got lots of inspiration from other games actually most of the games we got inspiration from weren't related to norse mythology in any way the part that inspired the norse side of the game was more just the fact that we wanted to tell a story with characters that people could kind of understand and we wanted there to be characters in the story that people could instantly that hear the name loki or whatever and they'd understand where that person's from and stuff we just like that idea if that makes any sense yeah it does uh yeah you do uh stumble upon kratos's grave early on in the game if you're looking at the different gravestones which is kind of of a fun little thing oh right yeah and i do love the little stories there are like these cutscenes that are just really well produced and your little spirit that sits on your shoulder just like hearing about that uh, spirit's story is just I, i just love kind of throughout learning about these characters yeah as far as the character that opens the game can you tell me a little bit about I guess, uh, the father of, of who you end up playing as. Theon, the guy you play as at the start, he's the leader of the Atori, and the Atori are like this sacred group of people who are kind of given the task of guarding this magical tree called the Elder Tree. And basically, at the start, you get to see how the Atori live and their kind of lifestyle and stuff. But something goes wrong within, within that first part of the game, and that first part of the game where you play as Theon sets up the rest of the game because it's like you then play as Estra, Theon's daughter, and you're trying to find out what happened to Theon in that first part of the game. Okay, yeah. In this world you're exploring, I'm not sure, I've not uh, completed it yet, but I'm wondering, does your character explore different realms? I know that is a part of some of the what happens in uh, Norse mythology and these kind of worlds sometimes. We unfortunately that doesn't happen in a tone. Tone is more just specifically about the world of Midgard, you know, the world of humans. But there is hints at 
the fact that there's other realms and you kind of get to see little easter egg related things to other worlds and you can also read stories which tell you about other realms and stuff but this game is mainly just focused on the world of Midgard. And as you go through Midgard there are different areas that look pretty distinctly different and the music kind of adjusts appropriately to it and that's something I just struck me right away is the music how it seems like a lot of time was spent on getting that right. Uh, Can you speak a little bit about the music and kind of the overall sound design? The music's awesome. We were super happy with the music. Both the the music and sound design were done mostly by Australian composer James Shaw, who also calls himself Luminist. And all the cutscene music and sound is composed by a guy called Andrew Pralo. And Andrew actually composed for a game which came out recently called Outer Wilds, which is a super cool game. And both of them, you know, they combined really well together. It was difficult for Andrew, I think, because he came in a lot later into the project. So he had to kind of adapt to all of the stuff that James had kind of forged because James built this very kind of unique sound aesthetic and Andrew needed to adapt to that and make sure that everything was cohesive that he did and I think he did a fantastic job at doing that it was funny because James would sometimes post stuff on Twitter he would post little videos of him walking through because he's from Australia just him in the Australian outback like recording sounds of him jumping on like carpets and stuff in the middle of the forest (laughs) which was kind of funny yeah but yeah they did a great job we're super happy with the sound and the music and the cutscenes have voice acting is that acting used across all the different localizations and it's you know you're reading the subtitles of the english at that point or are there other voice actors for different regions there's only english voice acting We obviously have the game translated into the different languages. It was a bit difficult for us because we had to budget everything, you know, so we have to keep a a relatively narrow mindset sometimes when you don't have a really large budget. We just have the the English voice acting. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, quite honestly, when I play Japanese games, I actually like listening to the Japanese original audio over the English dub sometimes, you know. Yeah, for sure. The art style, it's unique. I don't know. It's pretty striking. How did you guys decide upon the style? Did you have a lot of iterations to finally get to this point? It's kind of hard to say. The art style was kind of always the same. Like, we started out with what we've ended with. It's just that it's developed a lot. Like, it's, it's gotten a lot better. Because at the start, it was really bad. Like, the art was was super bad. But over time, you know, we got better. We looked a lot at things like Samurai Jack. You might see a lot of Samurai Jack inspiration in a lot of the cutscenes and stuff. And that really helped kind of boost the quality of what we created. At the same time, like, the best quality stuff we created was at the end. So all the stuff at the start was bad quality, which meant that we had to go back and redo stuff, which was annoying. Yeah. But in the end, I think we were happy with what we ended up with. And you mentioned story being a vital part of this game, and it is. That's what drew me in right away. How long was that process of just getting that right? And I'd imagine that was kind of the first thing that was done in this creation process for Atone. Yeah, the story was, I think, pretty much the first thing we started working on. It is probably the most important part of the game, is the story. So it made sense for us to start working on it early. We developed the overall plot and like certain climactic points in the story. The three of us knew that we were going to need to get a writer in at some stage because the three of us weren't writers. And so what ended up happening was we got 
two really fantastic people with writing backgrounds, Rebecca and Jim, on board. They both helped us a lot. And they kind of were super passionate storytellers, and they helped add another dimension to the story development. So there was like the five of us kind of combining to create this story. And the story as a whole probably took about two and a half years to to make fully. So to fully flesh it out, it took about two and a half years. Yeah. It changed pretty dramatically in detail from what it was initially, but there was still core elements which stayed since the beginning. And just trying to find all the characters that you wanted to include in the story, was that one of the first steps of just like reading as much as you could in the mythology and identifying these are the key ones and here are some ones that'd be nice to have? That's exactly what we did, yeah. We did lots of Wikipedia-ing gods. Uh, We had lists of giants and and gods that had their own little descriptions and stuff like that. That's exactly what we did. We ended up putting the gods and the giants and heroes into the game that we liked the most. And the theme of death is something that you kind of are hit with right away with, you know, the father dying and early on that old lady that dies as well. And she kind of speaks, I believe, on death. Was this something that you kind of wanted to tackle and address? And is that one of the main themes of Atone or and there's, I'm sure, others that story addresses. Yeah, as I said at the start, like we were super interested in being quite ruthless. We took a, a fair bit of inspiration from things like Game of Thrones. We like the idea that it's kind of shocking for a character that seems like they're going to be part of the story for a while to just instantly be taken away. It's a little bit like in real life when someone dies. It's it's kind of weird when they're gone. That was definitely something that we were interested in including, was a lot of death. This world you're exploring, it's filled with all these non-playable characters that it seems like they'd add a lot to it. You'd have a completely different experience almost if you're just trying to mainline the story versus checking out all the different little parts and nooks and crannies and talking to all these characters. Yeah. What's the different experience that you'd see, uh, you think, uh, by talking to these characters versus just trying to get through the story? It is very important. If you want a good outcome at the end of the game, I think it's important to go off track and and talk to some people because there's going to be different endings and there's a very bad ending that uh, I'm sure lots of people will be interested to see it, but you know, lots of these characters can help you quite a lot. And even characters which seem kind of sinister, if you go off road and interact with them and like solve a puzzle that they give you, they can like give you a secret, which then you can reveal to a character later on. And then that character will help you. I would definitely suggest for anyone to go off road and to chat to, to all the, the little characters on the side, because a lot of them have their own little cool stories as well. And do you have any favorite characters that were included that when you kind of encounter them in the game, you just have a smile that you're happy that one made it in? I like this guy called Dala, who, who plays the loot. He's this merchant that you meet later in the game, and he's quite quirky. And I just really like the fact that we created a, tra- a different track for him each time you come up to him, because he plays his little loot. Are all the characters in the game based on mythology, or were there any that your team created fill a gap that might have been in there? All of them pretty much we created from scratch. Obviously, some of them have the same names mm-hmm. as like gods and stuff, and they're inspired by those characters from Norse mythology. 
we've kind of put a twist on a lot of them and and kind of changed their character from what they were in Norse mythology quite a bit. Technically, everyone is different, but there's definitely characters which are just not inspired by Norse mythology at all. They're just our characters. Gotcha. And as you're playing through the game... There are a lot of icons and glyphs that kind of indicate different things, and the yellow ones will tell you kind of here's where you need to go next for the story to progress. Can you kind of walk through what all these icons and color schemes mean? There's a purple one, and kind of what's the iconography of the game? Yeah, there's there's a few different colors for the different icons. It was more just to kind of give the player a, a hint that they interacting with those different icons leads to different results, I guess. The white interaction was just like a basic interaction and the yellow one is you know where your next goal is story related goal the blue one something that will impact the story there's some little interactions if you interact with them it'll change the story in some way and then there's a pink one for the there's there's like a little statue which you can interact with which will change the mode of the game to story mode which which basically just makes the battles unfailable for people who don't like the battles or for people who find them too difficult okay and yeah there is health that your character has and that's just for the battles and i'm trying to remember does the health regain after you finish a battle or what's that system like yeah it does okay yeah the health the health regains yeah okay and yeah i've been playing with controller and there are some challenging ones. I'd, I'm trying to imagine with touch, it might be, I'd say it's a bit simpler to to nail some of those. I'm not sure if, if that is kind of the experience that people have with controller versus uh, touch with uh, just difficulty level of those battles. Yeah, some people find controller easier. Some people find touch a little easier. People do find the battles quite difficult in general. You know, it is quite a challenging part of the game. Lots of people have been changing the mode to story mode. Once you do that, you'll still play the battles. It just won't matter if you hit the red where you're messing yeah. up a lot and it'll continue on. One thing, though, that people should know when they do that, and it's in the description when they get the choice to change, is that they won't see achievements if they change. Okay. The battles do progress pretty fast as far as they, they do ramp up in difficulty, I've noticed. <laughs> the first one was pretty simple. Yeah. They do uh, go up from there. And the music during the battles, I wish I could just like listen to it. I'm so focused on the battle, but it's great oh, music yeah. during those. The music was really good. They did a really good job with the music for sure. James did all the, did all the battle tracks. James the Australian. So something I noticed right away is at first I thought, uh, what's the share sheet doing on Atone? And then I realized, oh, that just means that's a door you can walk through. Oh, right. I really quickly realized that. What was that kind of design from the start? Or were there different ways of indicating where you could actually walk and kind of go to new areas? Was there an iteration process there? At the start, we didn't really have any UI. We tried to go for that kind of like no UI on the screen look. Yeah, we, we were interested in doing that, but the style is quite exaggerated, and some people find it difficult to understand where they can walk and stuff. So that's kind of why we added like little symbols that show you what you can interact with, and also where you can leave environments and stuff, because people didn't know really where they could go. 
Yeah, it is helpful for sure because I'd probably be one of those people that are trying to walk out places that don't exist. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, one of the first puzzles you encounter is to unlock the bridge. I solved this by just experimenting with different combinations. Is there a better way about it? Are there clues in the world or in the puzzle itself on how to solve it? With that puzzle, the hint is actually kind of at the bottom of the puzzle in yellow. Okay. All puzzles that have hints on the actual puzzle, the hint will always be yellow. We wanted to do hints in a way where we don't describe anything. It's like the player kind of needs to find out what the hint is that way. But you can also buy hints with your energy that you get throughout the game, which is called Odal energy. The more you pick up of that stuff, the the more hints you can buy for certain puzzles. What are some of the other collectibles and things that your character picks up throughout their, their playthrough, their experience? They pick up many different types of items. The first kind of thing you can pick up, which is probably one of the more important things you can pick up, is magic mead recipe items. When you start playing as Estra, you get in the mail from from your grandmother a little magic mead recipe they're little strange items that you can pick up along the way and if you get all of them you need to go to a specific place but you can craft this magic mead which you then drink and then that will reveal a secret to the player so that's one thing that you can collect and another thing is artifacts which are basically like they're added boosts i guess they just help you in some way like they'll help you in battle like they'll give you a little bit more defense in battle or they'll give you reset possibilities and puzzles because you can fail some puzzles there's an artifact you can collect which will reset the the puzzle so you can try again and you can also collect food food helps you in battle it heals you you can get treasures which give you money which you can use to buy at the shop the the dollar store and then you can also get story related items which just progress the story in some way and i think that's about it okay and i do love the just a variety of puzzles like uh, the, i mean the first one is just tuning an instrument which is just it's a nice way to open it just very simple yeah uh, do you have any favorite types of puzzles that are included in the game I really like that one. That one's really cool, the loot one. I also like this one, which is like a animal puzzle where you need to swap different animal tiles and sort animals into two different groups. It's quite a peaceful puzzle. It's in a super quiet room and you kind of hear the water tri- trickling down the walls. It's just kind of peaceful. And I guess with the sound, again, like it's it's fun walking through like puddles. You actually hear that happen. Yeah. It's just cool because not a photorealistic game, but the sound kind of brings you into some of the elements that make it lifelike in that way. Yeah, totally. 100%. It took us a while, actually, to figure out how to properly do the the puddle thing, the transition from land to water. But, but I think we're, we're happy we did that. Now, did you know from the start it would be an Apple Arcade game or when did that enter the equation no we didn't know since the start the games it was in development a year and a half before apple approached us maybe even longer it was more just like a casual thing that the three of us friends were involved in and we actually had rebecca and jim and james on board at that stage as well so it was kind of just like this group effort that we were just kind of doing for fun and then apple approached us after we'd spoken to a few people in new zealand i think they mentioned us to some apple employees and then eventually we got into conversation with apple and we moved forwards from there and apple set us up with milestones so they gave us a set of milestones to reach it was really good having goals because we didn't have any goals like throughout the course of development it was just kind of like you know let's just try and have this much done by this stage but when apple came it was like we need to have 
these milestones met and that kind of really helped us finish the game and this is your studio's is it your first game yeah it's our first game yeah okay and as far as the development end of things what was your team's experience prior to creating this game in the form of making video games there wasn't really much experience at all pat the programmer and the ceo of of the company he had made like a couple of little games for mobile but nothing significant and Sid and I actually went to university together we studied design and that's the only kind of experience we had with just like visual stuff it's, it's striking because it's such a good and polished experience that's it's amazing to to be a first entry out oh thanks thanks a lot yeah absolutely and as far as gameplay time how many hours do you expect it to take players to make it through a tone probably around six to eight hours if okay. they are relatively invested but you could probably breeze through that in a lot less time but yeah about six to eight hours and to experience it again is it uh just start a new save file or is there a new game plus that players have to look forward to or how does that all work um to start it again you just create a new save file there's no new game plus or anything it's just like you just start the game again and go down a new story branch if you want to make new choices and stuff okay very cool and then the name atone where'd you guys come up with the name so the name it actually kind of is what you're doing throughout the the course of the game in relation to the story you're kind of atoning for the mistakes of your father you find out later what it is that your father actually did that was wrong so that's why it was called atone and then heart of the elder tree the necklace is the heart of the elder tree and the elder tree is the magical tree at the center of the forest okay very cool and then i was just kind of reminded of a scene where your spirit uh you're able to talk to the spirit but uh the old lady she just hears the animal sound versus uh what it's actually saying to you it kind of reminds me of uh yeah kind of harry potter where don't you hear me talking to the snake uh right you're talking in snake yeah does your character she talks uh, actually talk is it it's frog i'm trying to remember frog or i mean they can both understand each other and and speak it's kind of like harry potter i guess with what harry does with the snake it's like something that comes naturally yeah i'm trying to just imagine the world to uh, do other people hear yeah. you talking in that weird yeah uh, for sure animal sound yeah yeah there's actually if you end up doing the magic mead thing where you drink the magic mead you find out why estras can do that because she's special okay very cool anything we didn't cover that you'd like to before we wrap it up we are planning to release a pretty big update soon which is going to have like quite a new thing going on in the game that you can try out. Um, it'll probably release within the next few months, we're hoping. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of all, I guess. Okay. And that's like, a, I guess, you don't want to say too much, but... Yeah, I don't think we can really say too much. <laughs> it's not a yeah. new story, but a new aspect to the world you're able to experience. Is that fair? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. That, that's a good That's a good thing to say. Okay, excellent. <laughs> and then uh, where can people <laughs> find more information about your studio and your game? Um, they can just go to wildboystudios.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. It's been great learning more about this game, and I'm excited to finish it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. It's been great talking. Well, that was my interview with Ben. If you haven't already played Atone, I'd highly encourage you to download that right now and give it a shot. This is a super polished title that may have you crying by the end. The story is so compelling, as are the amazing puzzles. As a reminder, the best way to support the podcast is to launch iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review. 
Every review is of huge help making the show more discoverable in search and helping others find this podcast, helping me get more developers on this show. You can send feedback to me at applearcadepodcast at gmail.com. On the next episode of Apple Arcade Plus is The Mosaic. So if you want to play that ahead of time, that's what's coming up next on Apple Arcade Plus. The Mosaic. Thanks again for listening. Talk to everyone again real soon.